You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. Welcome back. It's Robin McMahon here, and I am excited to bring you a topic that I think you're going to find really interesting. Today, we're going to be talking about school choice, and I have Andrew Campanella here, who is the president of National School Choice Week, which is the largest public awareness effort in the United States focusing on opportunity in K-12 education. And he's also author of the book called The School Choice Roadmap. And again, we're here to talk about school choice and why she, why you should care and, and, and really some really great information on the different types of school and education there is. So Andrew, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So can you tell me first, what is National School Choice Week? Sure, National School Choice Week is a time every year when parents can look around at their options, whether they are choosing their child's first school or if they've moved to a different neighborhood and wanna find a good school there, or if they want to choose a different school or learning environment for their family. So it's an annual celebration in the United States where families discover their options and schools and learning environments promote what makes them unique. So there are open houses, parent information mm-hmm. sessions, student showcases, and really a broad national conversation about the importance of opportunity in K-12 education. Wow, that is really cool. And you know, to be clear, this is uh, something that's done in the United States, but I think this is an issue that all of us parents uh, will come up against at one point or the other. Um, and, and again, that's why I thought this was a great topic to, to bring up because even I have with, uh, with one of my boys looked at the possibility of an alternative school. And, um, and so it is a daunting task because as parents, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and there's so many questions. And of course, we all just want to do the best for our kids, right? And it's hard to make a choice. You know, I remember first, you know, when we were first looking at schools for our boys, you know, should it be Montessori? Should it be a traditional school? You know, what about a Waldorf school? You know, all of those things. And it is hard to decide what's the best for your child. So um, so, so this is an overarching topic, even though we're, we're talking about something that's in the States. This is, this is a general uh, concern for parents. So I just want to, I want to point that out. So, uh, you've written a book all about this and tell me, why did you write a book about this? Well, it's called the school choice roadmap and it's available on January 20th. It's available for pre-order now online. The reason I wrote the book is precisely because of what you just said. And that is so many parents obviously want to choose the right learning environment for their child. And parents know their kids best. They are the Mm. experts Mm. on what their kids need and want. But when it comes to education, it can sometimes be confusing. There's so much jargon. uh, There's so much, as I call it, education speak that parents want to cut through that and get down to the basics and be able to make the right choice. And they ask me for resources. Mm. National School Choice Week, they ask me. I go to events. People say, well, where can I turn? And I've looked around for places where I can guide these parents, and I found hardly anything. So I decided 
why don't I write a book that's completely free of jargon, that is mm. practical, that explains the different types of schools available, how they're run, what they're like, how they're similar and how they're different, and then walk parents through a seven-step process that's pretty self-explanatory for actually finding a school or learning environment that will meet their child's unique needs mm. so that their children can learn, succeed, be safe, and be happy. Wow. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. And so the book comes out January 20th and National School Choice Week is January 26th. So of course yeah. that makes a lot of great sense. Um, okay. So, so you, you've kind of just said this, but really at the core of this, why should parents care? Why should parents care and go out of their way to choose something different or specific for their kids versus just letting them choose the traditional route of a public school? And, and I say traditional, maybe that's not so, maybe that's not a correct way of saying it, but, but for lack of a, a better way of putting it, you know, wh why, why not just do what's easier? Well, what I would say first is when you're talking about school choice, when we're talking about school choice, I talk about all the options available, including traditional public schools, public mm. charter schools, public magnet schools, online public schools, private schools, and homeschooling. And the reason school choice and being an active chooser, someone who looks around at the options available and makes a decision for your child, and it might be that you choose the local public school. The reason it's important is because every child is unique, every child is different, every student responds better or worse to different instruction strategies. So if you can find a school where your child will be inspired to learn, will be happy, will be safe, and will ultimately be successful, your child has a better chance of lifelong success. Mm -hmm. And you want that for your child. Because what we find is that when students are in schools that don't work for them, even if those schools are defined by other people in communities as good schools, mm -hmm. students have a tendency not to complete their education. We mm -hmm. see students dropping out. And when kids drop out of school, not to be too dire about it, but they earn less over their lifetime, they are more likely to be involved in criminal activity or be incarcerated and they actually have shorter lifespans. So we mm. want people to get across the, uh, the stage of high school graduation and that finish line that is so important. And school choice is just one of the ways to help kids get there. Wow, wow. So that's, that's a really huge point, you know, in terms of, of, of really setting your kids up for success because if they don't complete their education, in other words, if they drop out, you know, that's never done with joy and with confidence. You do it because you're defeated and beaten down and the system hasn't worked for you, right? Right, or you feel as though you're stagnating at that school or you feel mm -hmm. like you're unsafe in that school. And of course, dropping out of school is an extreme. And mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, we're talking about the, the, one of the worst possible scenarios but just imagine, even if your child doesn't drop out, if they're just not learning, if they're mm. not happy uh, generally, of course, you're not mm -hmm. gonna be happy every single day at school, but right. if you're happy hardly ever, that's not mm. joyful. No. Uh, that doesn't lead to greater confidence and problem solving mm. and inspiration and curiosity for a student. Mm. So 
even if your child doesn't drop out, but they're completely unhappy and they're not learning, what good is this learning environment for your family? So school choice can help you identify a school or learning environment. And I say learning environment because there are mm -hmm. online schools and there's homeschooling that mm -hmm. parents can opt for that are great options for so many people. If parents can choose these options for their kids to give them just a better chance at success. Wow, yeah. I mean, what a great point. Absolutely. And and look, you know, our kids start out, you know, when they're young with a love of learning. We're curious as humans. We're we're seeking information and and you know, if you're put into a situation where we really kill out the love of learning, then yeah, you know, what 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 incentive is there to go to higher education or or do something different so i really i love that i think that is really exciting really and, exciting and you yeah. never know when that spark of inspiration mm -hmm. might hit and that's something that has really inspired me not to say mm -hmm. the word inspiration so much but <laughs> i love it inspired <laughs> me in talking to so many parents and teachers is yeah. that when that light bulb moment goes off mm -hmm. for a child, it could be at any moment of the school day or mm -hmm. any moment of any part of the day and you don't know when it will be. It could be a subject that you had no idea that your daughter mm -hmm. or son was interested in and they could be attracted to that like a magnet and say, mm -hmm. I wanna learn more about that and that could span uh, their entire schooling career or their entire life. Mm -hmm. So you want to set your child up for as many of those light bulb moments mm -hmm. as possible and feeling inspired and curious and interested in school is just one more way that you can set those opportunities up. Oh, so cool. I love it. And, and you know, I can, I can tell you again from my own experience, right? So, so I have a son that, that struggles in school. He has some uh, learning disabilities, right? He has ADHD. So school is a challenge for him. It's not his favorite place to go, which is why we were considering different schools. But for the meantime, he's staying where he is. However, um, he's in he's in grade nine right now, and and I see it, that that he started off struggling and dreading school, but he's been able to, with some beautiful help from the school system that we're in and the teachers that he has and the support staff that he has, he's he's been making some new strides, and the confidence that he feels and the pride that he has is so awesome like he's happier he's he's more confident and that goes such a long way so um so i just i i'm so i'm picking up what you're putting down if if you will <laughs> i love i love everything about what you're saying i really do i think it's great awesome thank you and you know i i agree with you 100 percent. and there's almost this compounding effect to this where yeah you have one small success and one small stride and it leads to something that's a little bit bigger and that builds confidence. And when you build confidence, you also build the ability to solve problems. And mm -hmm. one of the best, I guess, bridges to learning is that ability to logic your way through things and to solve problems and mm -hmm. to encounter and overcome even bigger challenges. So the first few weeks of a school year are actually really, really important to a child's success that year. And it sounds like your son is starting mm -hmm. off in a great way so that's great yeah that's good. yeah we're really proud of him and he used to be really proud of himself it's a really great thing and um yeah okay so you know in general who should be considering 
this? Who should be considering looking at a different school for their child? Well, there are a few reasons why somebody would choose a school um, at certain times of their, their life or their family's life. Obviously, when a child is first going to school is an important time to look around and evaluate your options. Another time is if you move uh, and you go to a different community, taking the time to look around. But there's that third category, too, of families who want to have a better environment for their child and They've tried to make things work in their current school. They've worked with teachers, they've worked with administrators, but something about that environment is not working for their child. And what I tell parents is this, don't assume that just because a school might work for a lot of kids in your community or that a lot of people in your area describe it as a good school or a great school doesn't mean that it'll be a good fit for your child. And that's not saying anything bad about your child. It's just right. saying that as unique people, we respond differently to different environments and different settings. So if your intuition as a parent tells you that you can't make this right, that there is, you've tried and you still keep hitting brick walls when it comes to making this a good fit, this school a good fit for your child, that's when I encourage you to start looking around and start evaluating your options. And even if you haven't decided and you're not at that point yet where you want to move out of that school and into a different environment, it never hurts to look around. So mm -hmm. the book and National School Choice Week provide the resources and the time for you to be able to do that. Wow. Okay. That's, that's really great. And you know, what I know from the clients that I work with, from the parents that I talk to is school represents a lot of fear for parents. They get really worried, really scared, right? Because they will see their child st struggling in reading or in math or whatever. And you know, they take that grade three homework and catapult themselves into the future and think, well, you know, we'll, we'll, how, how will you do in high school? Will you even graduate from high school? Will you ever go to university? What kind of job are you going to have? And the next thing you know, they're taking grade three homework and their kid is homeless and, you know, right? And we're completely out of the moment right now. So I know there's a lot of fear because school represents uh, building our kids future right and the steps we right. need to take to, to get our kids future assured so um, so what I love about what you just said is look don't worry if, if, if the school that your child is at isn't working, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with your child That's or right. that school or those teachers. It just means it's not a fit. And so take it more matter of factly and then look at what your options are because the options are there, right? Yeah, and I totally get the worrying because I'm one of the world's biggest worriers. And so <laughs> as you were talking about the fear, I was thinking, well, boy, I didn't help that because I was talking about dropping out and things earlier. But the reality is, if you identify that your child is struggling with homework, obviously it's not the ideal scenario. Mm -hmm. But the good part about that, if there is a silver lining, it is that you have identified that there is a challenge. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of parents tell me is the worst feeling is when you get to the end of a school year and you realize that no one has told you that your child is seriously struggling in a subject. Mm -hmm. or you get to the end of a semester when grades come out and you find out then that your child is struggling with reading. And yeah. you wonder, why didn't I know sooner? So one of the things that I always encourage parents to ask, and this is whether you're evaluating schools or 
whether you're staying with your school and you just want to set your child up for as much success as possible, is to ask the school leaders and the teachers, how will you regularly inform me of my child's progress and how will you help me make sure that my child is at or above grade level? You want those opportunities for intervention as a parent so that you can help your child succeed if they hit a snag. And we all in life hit snags and kids hit snags in school. So knowing it as soon as possible is the best way that you can overcome it. Oh, those are awesome questions. Awesome questions. Thank you for that. That's really good. I'm going to make sure those are in the show notes because um, I think, and, and I know they're in your book, but, but still, I, I want to make sure parents, parents are in charge of, of their kids' education, you know, and, and, and not in charge as much as they are advocates for their child, right? We've got to be involved. We can't ignore it. You know, um, I know that it's been hard for me to always keep track and sometimes, um, it's been a reminder that, you know, my child isn't as, isn't the same as others. He isn't typical. And so even for me, I've, I've felt some pain and some heartache around it and having to go and talk to the teacher. I mean, I can't even count how many teachers I've cried in front of and been frustrated in front of, you know, it's really, it can be really tough when your child is struggling. We feel it so deeply. So um, to go in and, and, and also know that those first few weeks are really crucial to their to their success and to really ask the teacher okay you know what are you going to do to regularly inform me of my child's progress and 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 sort of keep keep them keep everybody in check which is great and open those lines of communication i think that's fantastic Absolutely. and and to your previous question there was something i did want to add about worrying and that is this obviously you're going to worry about your child no one will stop you from doing that nor should they I don't want anybody to worry about what they don't know about education because mm -hmm. for something that impacts everybody's life, education is one of the least user-friendly fields out there. There's so much jargon and so much unnecessary complexity. And here's what I want every parent to know. You know your child better than anyone else on this planet. You have more information about what your child needs and wants in school than anyone else. So when you encounter the jargon and the complexity, be persistent and ask for practical, real-world explanations. And if someone tells you, well, this school is great because they use differentiated instruction, you should say, well, tell me how that looks day to day. <laughs> ask as many questions as you can to get to the bottom of it because there is nothing that a parent who is the expert on their own child cannot figure out when it comes to education, as long as somebody is willing to explain it in plain English. Holy cow, totally differentiated instruction. I've never heard that before. So yeah, so don't be afraid. We're overloaded with jargons in education and it's unnecessary. People wanna know when their child sits in a classroom, what is actually going to happen. They don't need a term for it. They don't need a buzzword for it. Uh, they don't need some brand name for it. They wanna know what it looks like, so ask, what does that actually look like? Or tell me more of what that means. I even tell people occasionally, pretend I'm a third grader and explain <laughs> it to me that way. There explain it like you're <laughs> asking these questions. Because remember, you have something that a lot of those other folks working in education don't. And that is a knowledge of what your child will respond mm -hmm. best to. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I, I love that. And so don't be intimidated. 
by the jargon is what you're saying. Don't, don't let that shut you down and pretend like, you know, what they, what they mean and that everybody should know that you're saying that it is, it is unnecessarily complicated, jargon filled and like, no. Yes. Tell me, tell me in plain English what you're talking about so that I can understand. Right. And the point that I make in this book, and this is the other thing, I'm going to hold it up again, that I want (laughs) people to know is that this book does not preach to you and it does not Mm. tell you that you should choose one type of school over another. It entirely lets you harness the power of your own intuition and what you know about your kids to make Mm. a choice that is based on your family's needs. I don't even tell you uh, what I think you should be looking for in a school. I let you figure that out. And there's a bunch of quizzes and exercises so you can identify what your priorities are. Because I truly believe that there is no one best school for every kid, but instead there are millions of great options for tens or hundreds of millions of kids out there. And so that's what I want people to get out of this is you're not going to get a guidebook here that tells you, okay, well, you're going to end up in a charter school after reading this. You're going to hopefully end up in a school, your child in a school that meets his or her needs, regardless of the type. Right. So, so to add to that, then you're, you're not going to say, well, if your child has ADHD, they need this kind of school, or if your child is gifted, they need this kind of school. No. No. Okay. Instead, it will ask you, you will be able to answer questions like that in one Mm -hmm. of the worksheets. Um, And you will then be able to use what you write down in the worksheets about what you know about your own child to craft questions that you can ask when you visit a school. And then you can use another worksheet to evaluate the schools based on the questions you wrote. So it's entirely a choose your own adventure type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. All about your child's experiences, your experiences with your child and how your child will respond to different environments. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's really great. I love that. It's unbiased. And, and, and I think, you know, with parents, we just don't even know what to ask. We don't even know where to start. So it sounds like this really helps you to hold parents' hands to really guide them in the right direction. And I, and I, I we need that. Like we can't be experts in every area and certainly not going to be uh, a, an expert in the school system. So we do need the support. So I, I really, um, I really appreciate that. Now, one of the things that you said is, um, you know, uh, I asked you, you know, who should be considering this? And, and you said, you know, there are certain times like when you move um, or when kids are first going to, to school or if they're looking for a better environment, but when is it a good time for you to start really looking? Like, should we start looking? Um, if, if this resonates with, with the listeners that are listening in and they're thinking, okay, you know what, my school really isn't working and feel good that, okay, I kind of have permission now to, to say, okay, I, I think that I can move on. Should they start January 26th during school choice week? Uh, is that the best time to start or should it be whenever? What is your recommendation? Okay, so if you are looking for a school for the next school year. The reason we started National School Choice Week in January and we placed it during the coldest time of the year uh, (laughs) is so that parents have enough time to evaluate their options and make choices for the next school year. But that doesn't stop you from starting even earlier. Mm -hmm. I tell parents, start as early as you're comfortable and as early as you're able to, because Mm -hmm. the more time you have, the more advantages you'll have in this process. And Let me explain specifically. 
if you wait until summer break, you will find that mm. some of the most popular schools will fill up and they will be at capacity and there will be no seats left. So you might end up on a waiting list. Now, if you start earlier, you'll have the opportunity to not only have a better chance of getting into that school, but also so that the school can plan and expand their number of classes and admit even more students. So schools need early information to make decisions for the next school year. So it's not just about beating other parents to the punch and getting your kids into a school that's popular. And you might not even choose a school that's very popular. Popularity doesn't mean all that much. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm just saying, you don't want to limit your options because time uh, is scarce. So start in the winter, start the process then. You can get some of these steps done pretty quickly. Um, the first step is to evaluate your own experiences in school mm -hmm. and what information and experiences and concerns you as a parent have based on what happened when you went to school. And then thinking about your child and not in terms of your child's education as much as in terms of who your child is, who you want your child to turn out to be, what type of things your child is interested in, um, what type of settings does your child thrive in. Then the third step is to get really deep into what you know your child needs and wants in a school or education environment. And that is everything from different types of curriculum to different instructional strategies to themes that a school might have to extracurricular activities. And then you get to step four, which is um, looking at schools by making lists of them and looking them up online and things like that. And you can get those four steps done relatively quickly. Step five is visiting schools. That's going to take the most of your time. Step six is evaluating all these schools that you visited. And step seven is making that decision. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, an involved process, but, 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 but still worth it if you really, you know, if, if this is really important to you. And I think that there are a lot of parents out there that might think, you know, oh, gee, you know, this year is tough. This teacher doesn't really fit my child. You know, I'll wait until next year. Hopefully he gets a better teacher or she gets a better teacher. But you can be even more proactive than that. You can really, you can really, uh, really craft and guide this, this education process for your child. And I think that gives us more power and more, uh, more ability to, to, to really, to be in control. And I love that. I think that's what we, what we all need, you know? Right, and there are also tips in the book for parents who decide they do want their child to stay in their current oh. school. They want to improve uh, things there. So in the frequently asked questions section of the School Choice Roadmap, you will read some tips and suggestions for how to improve uh, the situation at your school if your child chooses to stay or you choose for your child to stay. You've covered it all, Andrew. This is amazing. <laughs> well, I love I it. My best. I oh my gosh. To do it. And uh, to do it in a way that doesn't have jargon and yeah. that, um, that speaks to what people have asked me over the last 15 years, the mm. questions that parents ask me, not the questions that people who work in education policy always seem to want answered or always seem to be asking or the things they want to talk about. I didn't write this uh, for, for their you know, praise or criticism. Right. I wrote it for people who've asked me questions. Right. So you're advocating for the parents, really. That's my right? goal is to be as helpful yeah. as I can possibly be. And that's what we do during National School Choice Week. We try to make school choice user friendly. We try to make education user friendly. And we try to make it fun because this should be joyful. This should be 
something that is aspirational. Like what do you want your child to be? What environment uh, will best meet your child's needs? Those should be good questions and, yeah. and happy things. And so we focus on positivity. I love it. I love it so much. That's great. Uh, okay. So I'm going to ask you quickly, you rattle these off, but you say that there's about six different kinds of schools. Is that right? Is it six the right number? There are six main types. That's okay. right. And within them, there's about a million different <laughs> other types, subtypes. Okay. Okay. Um, and so some are free, some are not free. Yeah. And that's also a consideration too, right? Some you have to pay tuition for. Um, so that right. would also be a consideration. Like public is going to be free. Um, it's charter. Yeah, so I can go through them if you want. Sure. I'll, let's do that. Try to, uh, Just do really quickly. Yeah. yeah. So traditional public schools, they are free to attend. And for the most part, students do not have to take tests to get into them. Okay. Public charter schools also free to attend. Kids don't have to take tests to get into them. The difference between a charter school and a traditional public school is that a charter school has a little bit more control over its curriculum and instruction methods. So mm -hmm. a charter school is usually started around an idea. A teacher or a nonprofit leader or a community leader or a parent had an idea to create a school. Maybe it was, we want a school with smaller class sizes, or maybe we want a school that uses advanced technology. Or maybe we want a school that focuses on character development. Mm -hmm. That idea is embedded in everything that school does. So they have a little bit more freedom and flexibility to bring that idea to life. Then you have public magnet schools. And those are free to attend, charge no tuition. At about 25% of magnet schools, students do have to take academic tests to get in. Mm -hmm. At three quarters of those schools, they don't. And these schools are unique because they focus on themes. So it could be a school focused on math, science, technology, the performing arts. I've seen schools focus on aviation, uh, medical arts, so many fascinating themes out there. But they don't just teach that theme, they use that theme as a hook to teach all other subjects. So I was talking to the principal of a magnet school that focused on um, technology and computer gaming and they said the first step in teaching kids how to do coding is to make them write an instruction manual for the game they're writing so that oh. they can learn how to write concisely so they use the theme as a hook but kids learn all subjects cool. then you have online public schools those are free to attend never have to take a test to get in students learn on the internet via real teach with real teachers the schools usually give students and their families computers and equipment to use, sometimes even pay for internet access. And parents serve as learning coaches in this style of learning. And so parents work with their kids and kids work with their teachers. They do projects and assessments and then they get together with other students in their community on a regular basis. So you have private schools also, that's the fifth choice and these are in no particular order. Private schools do charge tuition they sometimes have tests required for entry, but just because they require tuition does not mean there are not scholarships available. Right. Most schools offer scholarships. There are local organizations and national organizations that offer scholarships too. And in the US, more than half of US states have state-sponsored programs that help parents afford private school tuition. So these schools are everything from schools focused on every possible religious faith 
to schools that have no faith component at all, independent schools. So there's a lot of diversity and variety within the private school sector. And finally, homeschooling, which is the original school choice. Uh, before there were bricks and mortar schools out there, most kids who got an education were homeschooled. Homeschooling continues to be incredibly popular. It's the process of educating your kids in the home, and there are more resources for parents who homeschool today than there were at, than there have been at any other time in history. Homeschool collaboratives, cooperatives, support groups, uh, online sites, uh, digital curriculum, things like that. So those are the well, six options. Wow, that is an, a fabulous list. Thank you. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. Okay, so I just want to take a second here and I, I want to talk about our teachers. I have so much love for teachers. I have so much love for the commitment that they have and the difference that they make in the lives of our children. And so uh, I just wanted to take a second to, to thank the teachers that are, that are out there and doing their best within the system. I'm sure that there are times that they're frustrated too and that they want to do more than they can do. And I just really, I just want to, I just want to just to say how much I honor and respect and thank teachers for the jobs that they do because they're a huge part of this too. Absolutely. And I want to echo that. I'm the son of a public school teacher, my mother, yeah. and she is a phenomenal teacher. And I worked for several years recruiting teachers for public school districts across the United States. And when we talk about school choice, there is no daylight between supporting and celebrating school choice and supporting and celebrating teachers because mm. without teachers, many of whom uh, summoned a lot of courage to create a lot of these different types of schools, there would be no school choice. So I'm incredibly grateful for the teachers who continue to work at and improve their local public schools, uh, mm -hmm. inspire kids there, and also the teachers who create charter schools and magnet yeah. schools and online schools and private schools, and the parents who serve as teachers in homeschooling mm -hmm. environments too. Yeah, they are truly heroes. And, and uh, yeah, I'm glad. We're, I know we're on the same page with that for sure. So um, there's something that you said that I wanted to go back to, actually, when you talked about the six, the six different categories of schools, and then within there, there's micro categories. Um, I, I think that it's important to, to notice and be aware of your intention if you're looking at schools like this. Like you said, there, there are schools that deal with medical science. So um, technology, you know, math, science, different things. Medical science, I believe that's what you said, yes. really stuck out for me because would that not mean that you are thinking your child is going to go into the medical field, maybe nurse, doctor, something like that. Is that kind of what that would be for? Well, that, that was one example. And yes, that was yeah. in school and the students really wanted to go into medicine. This right. So yeah. They were super excited about that. Um, and, and very eager to learn more about medical arts. 
Okay. That's yeah. Medical arts is what you say. Yeah. I wrote that down and I, I thought maybe I wrote that down wrong. So, so here's, here's what I was trying to get at though. I, I think that it's really important as parents though, that we don't take our needs and wants and dreams for our kids and then push them into a school that may or may not honor who they truly are. So be aware of that. Uh, you know, we don't want to, if you, if your child doesn't love math, we don't want to put them in a school that's all about math or we want our kid to be a coder so we put them in a coding school and they have no love of it and really they would have flourished in an art school so just be aware of your intention where it's coming from is it about you or is it about your kid right exactly and that's one of the reasons that in the school choice roadmap the first step is to evaluate your own time in school and evaluate your own uh, views of education because you almost need to recognize what, not biases, but what perspective you're coming from. And then remember that your child is her or his own person with his own personality and mm-hmm. own interests. And so that's why moving into step two is about your child uh, and, and what your child, you know, what will inspire your child. So mm-hmm. I, I hope parents will will do that. I know that People have big dreams for their kids, but mm. you don't want to make the mistake of choosing something or choosing a career for your child too early on because mm. it could backfire and your child might Absolutely. not be happy. And the other thing I tell parents is don't choose high schools based on whether or not you think it's going to get them into a good college, because if it's not a good fit and they don't do well in that school, you're going to miss out on the chance to get into the good college anyway. Okay, I think that's a really good point that you make, though, regarding the high school, because I'm sure many parents would choose a high school thinking that, okay, this is going to be a great opportunity for my child to get them to their higher education. But what you said is so important that, look, if they don't do well at that school, then they're not going to get into the university or college that they are looking to get into anyway. So keep that in mind. That's huge. Exactly. And remember, when you choose what's called a selective whether it's a selective public school or a selective private school for your child um, in terms of trying to get your child into college, they, the colleges and universities only accept a certain number of kids from those feeder schools. Oh. And the students who go to colleges and universities from those schools almost have to have perfect scores. So you mm-hmm. have to just make sure you're making a decision based on what is best for your child and the environment where your child will be most likely to succeed. And if your child is in an environment where he or she will succeed, that will make it easier for them to go on to college. Right, okay, no, really, really, really good point. Um, So what is the process that parents have to put into place to actually move school? So they've gone through all the steps of your, of the the roadmap. They know, okay, look, I do want to change schools. And now what? So once you get to step seven, which is Mm -hmm. after you've made your decision or you're making your decision, there are sort of a few different ways that this can work. If you know that the school you want to send your child to has open seats and you are not concerned about um, the school being at capacity, you can simply enroll your child in that school. But it might also be a good idea to apply to multiple schools in case you do run into Mm. a situation where there's a wait list or there are more people uh, who've signed up to attend the school than spaces available. For example, at a charter school, if there is a wait list, they have to hold a randomized lottery. 
you want to make sure that if your child is not accepted in that randomized lottery, that you have another school that you can choose for your child. So applying to more than one school, just like we do at colleges and universities, is yeah. not necessarily a bad idea. In fact, I do recommend it. Okay. So unless you know that your child will get in and there's space available, don't just apply to one school. And then once you do, the school will walk you through the enrollment process. Okay. Wow. Great advice. Really good advice. I, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. So, um, so that is really good to know that you can, that, that not only you can do it, but it's a good idea, right? So absolutely, uh, especially in areas where you're looking at different schools in different districts or charter schools, magnet schools, private schools, online schools, et cetera, make sure that you're, um, you're applying to multiple schools if you mm -hmm. can. Um, you know, if your top choice is a school that uh, might not have capacity. You just want to make sure you have a fallback plan. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, changing gears a little bit, I want to know just your opinion. You know, who's doing it right? Who, in your opinion, is doing it right? And 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 I'm I'm. This is a broad question. So whether it's a country that's doing it right or a type of school that's doing it right, you know, what is your opinion on that? Who is and where would they be doing that? Well, so I'll say this. When you look at the news and you read the news and you hear about almost any issue, education included, the news is always dire and negative. And right. I actually am such an optimist. And I think that there is so much that's inspiring that is going on right now in K-12 education, whether it's traditional public schools, charter schools, magnet schools, online schools, private schools, homeschooling families. There are so many inspiring uh, themes and features mm -hmm. of schools and uh, approaches that are being used. So I am inspired overall. I think we are entering a golden age mm -hmm. uh, for education in our country because there are more types of schools. There are more choices available. Mm -hmm. And so I think the people who are doing it right are the parents, the kids, the teachers, and the school leaders. I am incredibly inspired by all of them. Mm -hmm. Now, to get down to brass tacks, in the United States, there are some states that do school choice better than others. Where mm -hmm. I live, Florida does a great job. There are a lot of options for families. Arizona is another example where there are a lot of options for families. A family who wants to make an active choice for their child's education will find in those two states and other states across the country more options than in uh, some states where they have not embraced school choice. So mm -hmm. unfortunately, these options, while they are more prevalent than they have ever been are not widespread for some people based mm. on where they live. So we need to expand those options. Right. Okay. Okay. That's great. And I have to tell you, there was a, a there was an event that I went to here locally, and it was um, it was through the Dalai Lama Center. I, I talk about it all the time. Um, it was so inspiring. And what it was, it was actually a conference for educators. And in this conference, it was talking about mindfulness and teaching mindfulness, giving kids new techniques and different ways to help them socialize and to help them be more present. Uh, Dr. Dan Siegel was there, for example, you know, he talks about the wheel of control, what's in your control, what's out of your control, um, you know, and, and these are really important life skills. So 
I see that here, that there is a, a, a trend really to more mindfulness and more being intentional with kids, honoring them, accepting them, um, all, all those different things. And I'm wondering what kind of trends are you seeing? Are you seeing the same kind of trends within schools? I mean, you just said you were inspired by so many changes, but you, when you talk about this being a golden era or golden age, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think that the recognition that every child is unique and every child is different and that children learn differently is something that can propel us into the golden age of education. Because once we recognize that education is not that much different than every other aspect of our lives where we make choices and we make decisions based on what we need and what we want, and we recognize that what might be good for one person is not necessarily going to jive with what another person wants. Um, once we recognize fully that education is not that much different than, than the rest of our lives, we can truly embrace that. And so those trends do inspire me and make me optimistic. And I also think that, you know, the fact that, that school has become, in many cases, more rigorous, more relevant for students, um, with the desire to inspire kids and also hold them to high standards. I think those are some trends that I find um, particularly, particularly positive. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have another question. It's a little bit of a loaded question. Um, but in terms of trends, let's say maybe this is a trend, maybe it's not. Um, what do you think about homework? What do you huh. think about... <laughs> I know it's a loaded question. I told you, um, you know, like are our uh, schools more successful, the more homework or kids more successful, the more homework they get. Um, is it better if they don't get homework? You know what? Let, let, that is such a big issue. I hear about it, it all the time. There's so much stress and worry, anxiety from parents around homework, which then transfers onto their kids. Um, I have lots of things I can say about homework, but I'm going to give the floor to you. What do you think about yeah, it? So here's one of those things where you can never escape your own bias. And so, and I've got a bias on this. I feel, you know, I know that there is research that demonstrates that a certain amount of homework might be helpful for uh, the kids who were surveyed uh, in the survey. And I always say that because um, when you look at a study, it's not predictive. So it doesn't predict necessarily that your child will be exactly the same as the study result. So, right. you know, when you look at education, you have to look at it on an individual level. I think it really depends on the child and it depends on the family. And it depends on what your capacity is for handling all this homework. And I think there has been a trend in the past, at least, for too much homework. I know when I was in high school, it was too much and the teachers were not coordinating about the homework. So you never knew how many hours you were getting from one class to the other. And uh, I don't think that's helpful for anybody. No. Um, but if parents have questions about homework, those are questions they should ask during the school search process. And that is a question I get all the time. There mm -hmm. are schools that do not believe in homework and they don't assign homework. And then there are schools who believe in a rigorous amount of homework every day. Parents love both types of schools. So mm -hmm. I will step out of my bias and let parents make these decisions for their kids. Okay, so really, yeah. So there's some good and there's there can be some bad well, I mean, I think to it. Yeah. If you believe that, that your child should be doing homework, you probably want it to be a reasonable amount. I think we could all agree on that. Um, I think that too much homework 
Um, studies do show for many kids too much homework as a negative impact on their mm -hmm. desire to want to learn more or uh, their feeling of being able to actually accomplish that work. Yeah, and I think, I, I think too, what I, what I want parents to get out of this is also to be comfortable talking to the teacher and say, look, I, I'm, it, let's say there's too much, um, to say, look, I, I don't think this is working. You know, this is causing more harm than good. And I'm not sure that this, that the, this amount of homework is okay. And, and I personally have done that. I have said to the teachers, look, homework is not good here. Um, it really creates a lot of conflict. And I know that the way I, you know, I was in my parenting before, I'm partly to blame for that. Um, and you know, I have a child that just doesn't want to do homework ever. And so I've been able to work with the teachers and they understand where I'm coming from because I have an open line of communication. So don't be afraid to talk to the teacher about it. I think that sometimes there is um, a miscommunication, like a teacher will give optional homework and then we think, well, we have to get it done. Or, um, you know, I, look, there is freedom yeah. within that framework, I think. Exactly. And, and, you, and you can say, listen, I recognize that, that we want my child to learn this subject and to mm -hmm. ma have mastery of this subject. Is there another way that we can go about this instead of all these worksheets sent home mm -hmm. every night? Because mm -hmm. this is not leading to the ultimate goal, which is my child actually learning this material. Mm -hmm. It's instead creating stress and anxiety that is actually hurting my mm -hmm. child's ability to learn. So I think that, like you said, opening that channel of communication and mm -hmm. focusing on the end goal, which is, yes, we all acknowledge that my child should be learning this stuff. And I want my child to learn this stuff, but mm -hmm. the way it's being delivered is not working. Right, right. And, and you've got you've to be strong enough and, and know yourself, know your child. Like, look, you know what, when, when your kindergartner comes home with homework, and I'm talking about young, young kids coming home with homework, you can question it. You can say, look, this isn't, this isn't necessarily right. And, and try not to, to come from a place of fear. Like, well, if they don't do it now, you know, like I said earlier, this means that their, their, their whole entire school career is going to be uh, a, a disaster. Well, that's just not the case. It's just not the case because you have choice. You, you have support um, and, and your kids are going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Right. Um, especially if you have parents that care and are, are, are involved. So, um, so yeah, so those, uh, so that again, a loaded question, but it is really, really important because it really taps into the fear that we feel as parents and we don't want this to, to affect us. And, and I want to also honor the fact that there are some kids that are doing really well and really thriving and, and maybe they can do more work too. And so that's another conversation, you know, what extra can we do to, to move my child to a new place too? So I don't want to just talk about it in the negative. Right. Um, okay. So I want to know this because this is such a complicated issue in all different areas, you know, from our emotions that we bring to, you know, honoring our kids and, and all this, what are your last thoughts? You know, what can you leave my listeners with um, just, you know, in general about this issue? I want parents to know that when it comes to their children's education, they are the experts. They can trust their intuition and they can follow their intuition to identify the right schools and learning environments where their children can succeed, be inspired, be safe, be happy and mm -hmm. learn, which is the whole point of education. And I want parents to know that 
you should not let the jargon and the education mm -hmm. speak and the unnecessary complexity daunt you because you can do this and you have mm -hmm. the knowledge, the skills, and the expertise about your child to get it done in the best way possible for your family's future. That's what I would say. The second thing I would say is a completely shameless plug. Number <laughs> one, please celebrate National School Choice Week with us. If you enjoy the school your child is at and you want to sing that school's praises mm. and celebrate the teachers, go to our website at schoolchoiceweek.com. It's mm. January 26th through February 1st. We give out free supplies to families who want to participate. Um, so sign up soon because I think they're running out. And the second or third shameless plug is my book, The School Choice Roadmap, is coming out on January 20th. And I think you have a special announcement about that, Robin. Well, yeah, well, thanks to you, absolutely. Um, so thank you for those final words. I really appreciate everything that you've said. So well said, so awesome to talk to you. Um, I, 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 I've so enjoyed it, I really have. Um, yeah, so we have a gift for the first 20 people. They're gonna, first 20 people who do the following. So first of all, the gift is uh, a copy, uh, an advanced copy of the book. So. signed by uh, by Andrew and um, we are going to give that to the first 20 people who subscribe to this podcast rate it if you feel called to and then send me a screenshot of the subscription to the podcast along with um, your full address and because this is really about school choice in the United States for this book, we are going to ask for United States residents only to apply. So please subscribe. If you've already subscribed, that's great. Uh, send me a, a, a screenshot of that and, uh, and, and we'll give you uh, the first 20 people will get a copy of this book. I'll put all of the instructions in the show notes so that it's very clear. Uh, but thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. Thank you for, for getting the word out to folks. And this has been a lot of fun and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and uh, your listeners. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.